Zion Radio with your co-host Robert Brining and Aaron Laxton. We go around the world and across the United States. Join in the conversation by calling in to 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. This week, we have your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause I Am Radio. I hope you're ready for season two because it starts now. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. I am excited for this week's show. I want to thank you all for joining me this afternoon on this uh, 4th of July weekend. Uh, we have a great guest lined up today. Uh, it's what I like to call a newbie, uh, somebody who we haven't had on the show before. So it's uh, fresh content, um, and uh, she's an amazing uh, individual. So I'm excited uh, to have Connie Rose on this afternoon with us. She'll be joining us in a few moments. Um, I'm also excited to be announcing who will be coming up in next week. Um, if you're on Blog Talk Radio watching or listening now, you'll probably see. Uh, I'll be announcing it a little bit later, but I'm really excited to be having um, uh, the next guest coming on as well to give us an activist update. So um, it's a beautiful day here in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Uh, it's probably going to hit about 90 degrees. Um, Aaron has uh, taken uh, this week off. Uh, he's still... Uh, concentrating on some uh, PTO, some personal time off for himself. And um, we wish him well and wait, can't wait for him to be back on air with us soon. So uh, uh, big old uh, hug out there to Aaron. So um, I do want to uh, talk about our friend Kevin Maloney. Um, he is um, right now putting out some frames that are uh, able to be put across social media platforms on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you may be. Um, if you contact him uh, through Facebook, Rise Up to HIV, uh, it is, uh, I believe it's a kind of a partnership with a prevention access campaign. Um, Bruce Richmond, who is on the show, the U Equals U campaign, um, Bob Leahy, uh, we kind of, uh, he has this uh, frame where you can pick colors and, and it kind of promotes that, you know, U Equals U. And I know Connie, who our guest today, um, she is involved in that heavily and, um, you know, is friends with all those people. But I'm just excited to have Connie on. We spoke a little bit yesterday. Uh, she lives in Las Vegas, so there's a little bit of a time difference. Um, but I think when I was maybe uh, contacting her through Facebook in the morning, I, you know, I'm up early every day. As you all know, I go in to make the bagels at like 3 and 4 in the morning. So for me, on the weekend, sleeping in is like 7 a.m. So 7 a.m. my time is probably more like 4 or 5 a.m. Connie's time. So I was sending her messages and like, you know, uh, not realizing that there's that big of a time difference. So. Um, we connected yesterday a little bit, and uh, we talked, and it, w it was nice to finally connect with her. She actually is one of the only ones who wrote uh, an article about um, uh, me and Aaron coming back in the show, uh, kind of uh, picking back up where we left off and, and you know, offering more, more hope to people. Um, so uh, we want to, of course, send love to her, have her come on, share her story. Uh, you may have actually seen uh, an article on, in ANU um, called uh, My HIV Just Turned 21. 
Connie has uh, written that. That's uh, about her. So uh, let's go ahead and bring Connie on. She's been living with HIV since 1996. She resides in Las Vegas with her daughter and grandson and her best fur buddy, Sugar Bear. And I've seen that photo, and I am a dog lover, and that dog is one cutie. So please help me welcome Connie Rose to the show. Hey, Connie. Connie, are you there? Okay, I guess that's not Connie, so we'll uh, take a little break. So let's go ahead over and listen to one of today's first positive messages um, from Brian and uh, Kevin Maloney's Rise Up to HIV, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Hi, my name is Bruce. I'm from Brooklyn. I was diagnosed with HIV in 2003, and I became undetectable in 2010. My positive message is that this is an incredibly exciting time to be living with HIV because we know now that we have treatment that not only protects us, protects our health and and enables us to live long, healthy lives, but it, it protects our partners from getting HIV. We cannot transmit HIV when we're undetectable. Um, so I guess the message is, is if you're considering treatment or you're on treatment, please understand that if you take your meds and stay undetectable, you won't transmit HIV. You'll stay uninfectious. It's very exciting. We can have sex and intimacy and, and babies with our partners without fear, without shame, and without stigma. Hey, there you have it, our friend uh, Bruce. We talked a little bit earlier. Actually, uh, now let me bring Connie on air. Uh, Connie, how are you, hon? Good. How are you? Good, good. I saw a 702 area code, and I immediately jumped on it thinking it was you, and it was actually somebody else listening. So uh, my apologies for <laughs> introducing you a little bit early. Um, so how, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it so much. So it's Fourth of July weekend. Do you have any plans? Um, is there any big events that go on in Vegas during the Fourth of July? Oh well, we were. Um, well, I was. I volunteer at the at the local um, center here, and Bob and I were looking on the computer this week, and there really were not that many um, festivities planned. I think because it's so hot and dry right now. So I. But the Strip always has. There's a couple hotels on the Strip that are doing it, and then Cashman Field right here by where I live, um, is having some fireworks. So I think we're going to be able to see them from our house. We usually can. So we usually just barbecue and watch the fireworks from the backyard. So Yeah, that's awesome. You know, being in the Philadelphia here, the, the birthplace of of everything, you know, we have big events and parades and there's fireworks all weekend on Penn's Landing here in Philadelphia for people who are you know, since, since the 4th is falling on a Tuesday, it's, you know, an extra long vacation for people. So if you can't make it down on the 4th because it's during the week, you know, they have it all weekend for people. So there's been fireworks every oh, night. So the good thing is, yeah, I'm a little far from the city. I'm about like 25 minutes from the city. So I'm not really, I can't see those from my house, but there usually are festivities somewhere in the neighborhoods where somebody is shooting off fireworks. You know what I mean? Where the yeah, last year, yeah, that's been, where that's we watched our, out our door. Right. Yeah, that's been going on for the last month. Like the the neighborhood, they sell huge fireworks right here on the corner. So here, the, the the kids here in the neighborhood have been letting them off for the last month. The baby, my grandson, is almost two this year. So 
I'm I'm not sure how he's going to react to it. I think he'll like it. He's a boy, so you know he likes loud noises already. So uh, how does but, Sugar Bear? How does Sugar Bear like the loud noises? That's the question. Because oh, I know dogs at, are very sensitive. <laughs> yeah, not at all. She's not real big on loud noises. She does not go with us if we do go to you know the festivities or anytime it's a holiday weekend. We we get like. It, it seems like over a million people, just because this is a tour. This is the tourist capital of the world, anyways. And I live, I live really close to downtown, with the Fremont area. So right. the spillover um, in traffic is just crazy around, you know, the holidays. So we we try to stay home. Um, just, you know, being here, any any small fair in the neighborhood or anything like that makes the traffic like. Uh, a hundred times worse than um you know it normally would it's just it's it's a large urban area so that's that's been hard for me to adjust to it it took a few years but now i absolutely love it and it's just you just you just flow with the city and and you just learn to adapt yeah sometimes it's safer just to stay home especially like on the holidays because for me there's so many crazy people out there drinking and driving it's just for me, I'd rather just stay home, especially if you can watch the festivities from your house. Like most people right. can. Yeah, like a you lot know of I mean? can see well, some sort a lot of, of the places. Thing. Even I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Um, I was just saying, a lot of the places actually, even though it is a city, a lot of the places do close down. Like I said, I volunteer at the center, and we're going to be closed on the the fourth. So a lot of businesses and stuff, even though it is a city, they do close down to give people time to go be with their families and and you know enjoy the festivities because you can you can if you drive out to any of the lookouts in the city you can see the fireworks from I mean it's beautiful I did it one year and I drove out to um, Lake Mead a friend of mine lives that way and we watched from the lookout and you can see the fireworks over the entire city and it's just beautiful Wow so okay so let's 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 move on to a little bit about your story um, and, and and start from the beginning. Tell me about what it was like on that day in 1996 when you found out that you were HIV positive. How did it happen and, and what were your what were your thoughts? Well, I um, a few days before I went and got tested, I got a phone call. It was late at night and I had just put my baby down um, to bed. She was only about um, just just little, barely a year, I think 18 months. Um, so I just put her down to bed. And the phone rang, and it, it was a family member, and she had been spending some time um, with my ex's family. And um, she found a letter from him saying that he had tested positive, um, but she heard, overheard them saying they weren't going to tell me about it because, you know, for whatever reason. So she called me, and um, I immediately said, oh, well, I've already been tested. I just had a baby. I just assumed at that time they tested you, and at right. the end I come to find out, no, they did not. So I called my I called my local OB-GYN um, the next day and told them the same story I just told you, and he, um, they scheduled an appointment for me to come in and be tested, so I did, and it took two weeks back then 
So I waited. <laughs> it seemed like forever. And um, so wait a minute. Let me let me ask you. Let me ask you this real quick. Let me ask you this real quick before you. What was it like when you're when when she called you and told you that? What was going through your head? Like, was it something that you maybe suspected, or was it something that you knew nothing about? Oh no, I had no idea. You, um, I was, um, I was only twenty-one. You have to understand that. I was only 21 years old. No, I no, I had just graduated from a high school where I had been told by my health educator, as long as you don't do these things and you're not in any of these groups of people, this is not something you mm-hmm. ever have to worry about. So was I? I was fucking terrified, um, and I had no <laughs> idea what to do. I was a sorry, I was a single well, no, mom. Um, with a newborn baby and, and new, this was and, 1996. Yeah, newly. So, I mean, okay, she wasn't newborn. She was 18 months. But in my head, I'm thinking, at that time, people were dying. Um, that's all you saw was people were dying. So I was I was terrified. So, I mean, yeah, if you want me to go back, we can go back. But that was, uh, I was... Um, I was scared. I was scared for my life, and I was scared for the life of my child because I had just tested positive, and I breastfed my baby, and and I didn't have her on any medication. So the research that I had done, and then now the months, because you you have to understand, I waited two weeks for my test. My test came back positive. So then then they tested my daughter. I didn't find out for a month then until my daughter was negative. So for that month, I did nothing but research. What are the risks? And um, the the risks at that time were still very, very good. It was only a 3% and up to something like a 5 or 7% chance, 10%. It was still very low. But she's negative. And still to this day, I mean, she has a child of her own. And and that all turned out great, as you know. That's um, awesome. That's awesome because you know what? Yeah. Right. That's why I try not to go back because if if you live in that moment, it, it will destroy you mm. because it nearly did. Um, the only reason I didn't just probably um, kill myself in the situation I was in is because I did have a baby and I didn't know um, and she's my responsibility. So. Right. You know, when I was reading your bio, I, I saw that you were diagnosed and you were 21 and you know, that's the age that I was diagnosed, you know, but in 2001, and just thinking of that little bit of a difference, you know, that five years, um, you know, how much right. science has grown and, and things like that. And, and I was thinking right. how, you know, to be, to be that age, I was so young, it was like you were just able to go out and have fun and legally drink and, and do all these things that you've right. been waiting your whole life to grow up and do, and you get this diagnosis, right. and it's like, ah. So I was feeling your pain, but then yeah. when you said that, like, you, you, you kind of reminded me that, like, you had an 18-month-old, so there was, like, even that on top of it, you know what I mean, which, which a lot right. of guys don't realize that, that that is something that, you know, women deal with. Yeah, yeah, I was completely alone um, in, in that um, for the, the first few years of her life, just with, with my diagnosis and with raising um, a negative baby, so... So I was terrified all the time. Um, you can imagine because in 1996 you couldn't get on medication, and the medication is what the doctor, even back then, my doctor was telling me about undetectable 
um, I began to have hope very early because I was so lucky. My first um, infectious disease doctor, her name um, was Dr. Vicki Wilkie Marvka, and she was from UCLA. She had just transferred to Indiana, and I went to IUPUI. It's a, um, a university hospital. It's where Dr. Carrie Foote actually teaches now. And um, and she um, she was absolutely wonderful. She gave me wonderful um, like cutting edge information, just just top notch. Everything she told me, she got me in clinical trials. She got me on medication just within the first few years because my you know the the group of people I was just diagnosed into um, at that time, and I still don't like to say it like that because it's like uh, no, there are not a lot of heterosexual. Um, you know, white women who, who at that time were diagnosed. Um, I have real issues with that because of the fact that I was told you're not a risk group. So I hate saying that that about anyone. Right. Because within just a few years of of hearing that, you know, I found out I was positive. It literally my second boyfriend. So um, everybody. Yeah, that kills me when they. Group. Exactly. If you're having sex, you're at risk. Like that's the bottom line. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> any anybody any any person that if you're having sex, that like that should be its own risk group and it should be considered a high risk group. It does it doesn't matter where you're doing it, who you're doing it with. If you're literally just ha I was having sex with my husband at nine. I was nineteen. You know. I mean, it's it's you, you can't. So it's yeah. just that statement. It, when we talk language, when you know, um, you and I are in the age of advocacy where language is so important. So if we're going to talk language, we really need to address that because um, I, I personally believe it's causing more. It, it could be used as a preventative message in, in itself. Mm -hmm. I'll just leave it at that. Right. So, so after you were diagnosed, who was the first person you told? Oh, my mother. And, and and how was that conversation? How did she react? Um, let's see. Conversation. I came home from the hospital, um, and she just hugged me. I actually called her from the hospital um, because as soon as I tested positive, they took me down for a second test. And there was a, a lady working, because this was um, a small local hospital. There was literally only one like two little hospitals in my town. And of mm -hmm. course, um, the day I walk in, there's a, a lady I went to high school with who's going to draw my blood. Um, and I fainted. So that's what happened. <laughs> and they, they, they get me up and put me in a chair. And then she's still my nurse, you know. So she's like, how are you, Connie? And I'm like, I'm just literally just sitting there and I'm not talking. I'm just crying. And... Um, she looks down and that's it. She drew my blood and, and that was it. She knew it was my second test. So literally my very first experience was a person I went to high school with was the person who drew my second lab. So it was all wow. over my town before I even had a chance probably to get home and tell my mom. So, right. Um, but she didn't say anything to me because they're like the director of the hospital was standing there. I think I was their first patient possibly 
my, I know for a fact I was my doctor's first patient because whenever I went in to have my labs drawn, he told me, he said, we've done dozens of these tests. He says, Connie Rose, don't you worry at all. He says, I'm sure you're fine. I knew I was positive because in two weeks when I came back to see him and he came in the room with holding my labs, he was crying um, before he even told me. So he didn't, his, he, he had never been taught, there was no HIV 101. For him, I was right. his HIV 101. Um, but he handled it very well. He he did cry, but I mean, he had known me since I was like, he did my first pelvic exam. He was my my doctor since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very. It that's was funny very because my my when I was diagnosed, it was also my family doctor who I went to as a little kid, and like he was kind of speechless when he delivered the news to me, kind of like how you were saying yeah, because. Yeah. He's known me so long, you know what I mean? And to, to give me so that news, and he was, like, so heartbroken, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's to look back, I'm so thankful I did that. But, but what he did for me was is when he found out that I had not even been offered an HIV test, um, Bluffton Regional and Bluffton, Indiana, they started offering, um, the board of directors changed policy at the hospital and started offering um, every pregnant woman an HIV test um, in 1996, um, and they didn't make it a federal thing in the nation until 1999. So, wow. you know, if <laughs> if we did one good thing, that's my good thing. <laughs> right. So, so when <laughs> did you tell your daughter? When did you tell your daughter, and and how did you have that conversation? Because a lot of mothers who are living with HIV or parents are they struggle with telling their kids how, you know, to be cautious and how to, you know, remain safe and, you know what I mean, God forbid an accident would happen. Or So how did you explain right. that to your, your child? And at what age? Well, I, well, I found out when she was 10 that my family had already told her when she was 7, but they told her that I tested positive and that I lied and that she was positive and I, I wasn't telling anyone. So my, for three years, my daughter, well, mostly for her whole childhood because they had already convinced her I was lying to her so much that um, they, they convinced her that the doctors would lie to her. It was very malicious. Um, and, and, wow. and that's where the mental health issues um, come from when someone, it's called gaslighting. I just recently found that out uh, when people do things to make you crazy. It's it's real and it happens. Uh, I don't know why people people do that, but I recommend to any woman who comes and tells me talk to them as early as you think they can understand it, even if that's you know four or five years old, six years old, seven years old, even if you can just start explaining what HIV is and that you know exactly what it is, so that even if they hear that their mom or dad or aunt, or uncle, or grandma, or grandpa, or cousin, or best friend, or even they themselves have it, they're not going to be afraid of it. That's what I tell people. Um, I got to have that conversation with my daughter at 10, but only because uh, it was one of the first times she tried to commit suicide. I was hoping to wait until she was like like 11, you know, a little closer to, to tween years. Just because mm-hmm. it was so long ago, and I was so afraid, and I didn't understand it my, myself. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't advocating. I was just taking my medication. I was just living with it at that time. Um, 
it was it was hard enough. One of the ways to live with it. Yeah. Did you now? Did you use it in 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 terms like HIV and AIDS and, and explain things like that, or did you use it? Um, one of uh one of our friends here at the show, uh, her name is uh, Terry. She lives here in Philly. And she told us about how she explained to her grandchildren that she had, like, uh, bugs in her blood as a way, because they were younger, you know what I mean, a way for them to explain that if, God forbid, if something would happen, if grandma no. would get cut. I explained it to my daughter as in um, a cold you can't get rid of because it constantly okay. will attack your, your immune system, just like a cold, a cold virus. But a cold virus, we found a cure for, and we just haven't found a cure for an HIV virus. It's the same thing. By the time I was going to talk to her, she had already had a cold. She had already had bronchitis. She, you know, right. bronchitis, I don't think that's a virus. That's bacterial. Sorry. Got off track here. <laughs> but cold virus, stick to virus. But a cold virus, that's how, I, that's how I explained it to her, and that's how I think everybody should look at it because it's, granted, thank God it's not airborne, but however, it attacks your immune system constantly, just like a cold you can't get rid of if you don't get in treatment. But if you're in treatment, it can't attack you and it can't attack anyone else. It can't, you know, it, it attacks like a virus, and that's how I, I was, how I explained. And most kids, even by the time they're three or four, they've had a cold. You know, so they they can understand, right? And then because because my my mom was real big about calling it dirty and calling it, you know, um, she was real big about saying, you know, well, you have the good HIV and there's a bad HIV because I acquired from my husband. And I'm like, look, I have the same HIV as everybody out there. I'm like, and that is that's why my platform is the only risky behavior to acquiring HIV is being human and alive. That's it. Have sexually that active, human, and alive. That's that is the risky. That is risky behavior. So then there you um, have it. But I, yeah, as we're, we're going to go with language, um, because I know that's how my mom and some of my family, um, and just some people, just people, community people in general, discuss STDs they don't like is. You know, they call them dirty. You can pick. Yeah. And that's I'm not saying she's wrong to say it like that. I just think that um, because it's a different generation. You know, if she has grandchildren, I'm not sure her age, but if she's closer to my mom's age, that's how my mom would have thought of it too because a virus is like a little bug. That's right. how the pictures in school for their school age, you know, I, I remember those old, old books. They made viruses mm-hmm. look like little bugs. Right. So I understand exactly where that language comes from, this, you know, and where that thinking comes from. I understand your media is huge. It plays a huge part in how we think of ourselves and That's others, true. of course. That's true. That is true. So listen, I want to take a quick break right now and uh, jump on over to Josh Robbins and this week's HIV Scoop, and we'll be right back with Connie Rose. So Connie, oh, hold on gosh. for one second, okay? We'll be right back with that. All right, Josh, um, we'll be right over to the HIV Scoop. 
This is your HIV Scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusive for Paws I Am Radio. Buzzworthy HIV news in under 90 seconds. Here's Josh Robbins in this week's HIV Scoop. New HIV diagnosis in England have a quite remarkable decline in gay and bisexual men. According to a new finding published in Eurosurveillance and data from Public Health England. And uh, according to the BBC News, it is a drop of 32%, y'all. And quote, this drop had occurred despite the number of these men being tested rising by 50% over the same period. So increased testing, uh, uh, fast treatment with HIV therapy, and the use of preventative drug PrEP have all contributed to this trend. New HIV diagnosis among heterosexuals, though, remains stable. The same. There was no change. All right. Charlie Sheen appears to have more court in front of him. That's right. Several celebrity news publications are reporting a former girlfriend suing him in court for allegedly exposing her to the virus. The court papers just filed do not mention either by name, but clues about the person are clearly Sheen. With the dates given and it mentioning uh, national interviews identical to Sheen's much-talked-about diagnosis uh, interview with Matt Lauer, if you remember. Uh, But this is not a criminal case. It is important to know that. It's being brought against Sheen in civil court, possibly a tip-off of the motivation. You know what I'm saying? Uh, If she isn't after putting him in jail, she is wanting something else from Sheen, I would assume. There you go. I'm Josh Robbins. This was the HIV Scoop. And there you have it. Thank you, Josh Robbins. For more information on Josh, go to imstilljosh.com. And uh, we're going to return back with uh, Connie Rhodes. So please welcome back. Connie, how are you, honey? Great, great. I love Josh. He's so awesome. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. So listen, I want to talk about how you went from you're, you know, being recently diagnosed and not really, you know, telling, being able to tell everybody because they knew before you or, you know, they, you, you know, how you were talking about how everybody in the town was talking about it or, or and I, how did you go from being shy and, and newly diagnosed to now being a writer for ANU magazine, having your own blog, living a pause life on WordPress? Please tell me how you go from shy Connie to, <laughs> to bold Connie. Well, what I did was, even though I wasn't, when I say I wasn't, I was living privately, I still talked about it openly, and that was one of the reasons why um, I think I, I caught so much flack is is even though, because whenever people have something they like to shame you over, they like to see you with your shoulders slumped being shamed, and they weren't ever able to do that to me. However, I didn't advocate publicly because it was, it, it was, while it wasn't shaming me, it did shame my daughter because, like I said, they made her believe she was positive. So I went from not talking about it till when she graduated and we moved here to Las Vegas. I didn't have to worry about her being in school and being shamed anymore. So um, I, I started my own blog. I, I was on Positive Singles Blogging, and um, this is the part of mental health I wanted to talk about. Uh, when I first moved to Las Vegas, I I had a really bad experience with a doctor who took me off of all of my meds, even my HIV meds. I had to call Lambda Legal, and it was it was a horrible first experience coming into the city. 
So I was off of meds again for like six months, and then I've been off of my uh, mental health medication this entire, all of these years until just about um, just a couple months ago when my mentor helped me get back into treatment um, now so I can um, continue with my overall healthy lifestyle change. But I went from being so quiet to being so public because my daughter was grown and nobody nobody had that power over me any longer. They, Whenever somebody holds something so precious to you, like the, the life of your child in your hand, you'll do absolutely anything. Like I would have never spoke again if that's what it meant. But when we came here and nobody knew her and I was able to do my own thing, she was able to finally have her own life separate from me. She wasn't under that shadow any longer. You know, she was making new friends. Um, I, I created my blog a, a few years ago and just happened to get discovered by Sean Black, um, who introduced me to Kel Needle, who um, offered me you know, or offered me the ability to pitch topics to him, and and sometimes he says yes. <laughs> yeah, I love Sean. Met him at the. Uh, oh, I love them. I love them all. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I've he took some. To he so took many... some great. I was just going to say he took some great pictures of us at um, the International AIDS Conference in DC in 2012. Um, that was kind of yeah. like the last big shebang that I was at, and I, I got to meet him, and I think there was pictures of me and Jeremy and, and Maria and our wow. friend Dee and, and so many cool people that we got to meet, and uh, I would love to do a photo shoot with him sometime. He's, yeah, he does some great stuff. I follow him on Instagram. Oh, he's absolutely just just wonderful. I'm telling you, if it, I, I wouldn't have anything I have going on in my life right now if it were not for Sean Black and Kel Needle. I, I owe them absolutely everything, um, except for, of course, my own blog. I did that myself. But as for, you know, being so, allowed to so write let's talk about the, something. Uh, let, let, I just wanted to real quick talk about your blog. Um, I want to get your blog address out there so people can find you. And it's uh, livingapause.wordpress.com, correct? Right. That how people can find you. Okay, cool. Because I want people to go and check it out. And, and what are some of the topics that you've you blogged about on there? Um, uh, yeah, what are what are some of the things that you've talked about? Well, I I started out um, writing bios of other advocates. That's just just local advocates here in the city that I was meeting whenever I started going to groups. You know, I started going to local support groups in the area and meeting. You know, different um, public advocates: John Miles, um, Jim Foley. Jim Foley became my mentor. He's um, a long-term survivor of like 30 years. Um, he, um, let's see, and then my blog has developed over time into writing a little bit more about HIV and world news. Um, I've covered um, the concentration camps in Chechnya. I've covered just, um, there's a young Israeli boy who has HIV and Israeli won't give him his um, his papers, even though they're supposed to. So I'm just, I'm just right now. I'm just trying to expand into all things HIV um, in world news. Just and and well, I guess in LGBT news, everything is just 
so overlooked and important. Um, I'm just trying to expand my knowledge, I guess, as a writer. No, I think it's awesome that you expand. You want to expand your knowledge because a lot of people are afraid to write about some of the taboo topics and things of that nature. Um, I do want to also open up the phone line so people know if you're on hold or would like to talk to us, press the one button. Phone number to call in is 929-477-3572. I see a few people sitting on hold. Some of them might be listening. I know one of the big things in your life right now is volunteering. Um, and um, in the bio, you talk about how it improves your quality of life. Tell me how volunteering has changed your life and where you volunteer at. Well, right now I volunteer two, um, two, sometimes three days a week for the, the center. It's the local LGBT center here in Las Vegas on Maryland Parkway. They are a wonderful organization. They have um, multiple groups and organizations that, that come there, use their event space. Um, they do, recently they just did the, the it's called Qvolution. It's their youth program. They just put on a play. It was absolutely wonderful and um, we got to participate in that, and that was um, Stonewall to Snowflake, What Has Protesting Done for You Lately? And it's just led by a wonderful group of people. They've, ta they've taken me in. What I love about volunteering is the fact that they all know my status, and they, they don't care. Um, there, there were two, the two jobs I talk about in my last article, um, my HIV turned 21. I worked at a local inn and a local convenience store the whole time I lived um, in Indiana, and that was because the people that I worked for knew my status, and they knew that, you know, um, my, I call it my HIV, because <laughs> I am not HIV. It, it rides along with me, so it's mine. Um, it, um, whenever you work for people who know your status and they have issues with it, it makes for a really hard work, work environment, which is hard on your immune system. So what I found is volunteering for the center, and I picked up, or I'm going to pick up, I was just offered to become volunteer coordinator for just the black and white event um, through AFAN here. You and I talked about that a little bit mm -hmm. um, yesterday. So that'll be one day a week. And what that is giving me is for quality of life is working around people who know my status and who know that that status isn't going to affect my work ethic in any way whatsoever. Um, so it's, I think it creates a healthier living environment um, whenever you are, we also discussed my, my overall healthy living plan. I'm, or everything I'm trying to, get into a program and a routine right now um, that just, it's very, everything is very overwhelming, isn't it, Robert? <laughs> Whenever you yes, start taking on projects. Yes, it can be. It can be very and, overwhelming. Yes, it's, but it's a good thing. It's, it feels so good to be needed, and it feels so good to be doing good things with your, or with my life. I know that's, that's been a great thing. Um, volunteering at the center has given me an opportunity to take some more workshops, to take some training programs. Um, we just did um, in, um, intimate partner violence training because I work the front desk on Fridays. So, and we're dealing with the people who come in immediately through the front door who are in crisis or are in need or who just want to use a computer or find out where a group is. And we need to be able to know how to deal with each one of those people on an individual level. 
So that's been, that was wonderful. And it gave me my opportunity to um, join my very first committee. So I was just asked to be on the committee to help with the, the holiday event that will be going on at the center. So I'm really excited because this is my first committee. That's awesome. No, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. You know, um, yeah. we, 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 we were talking about volunteering. I, I, I do as much as I can. You know, it's hard. I would love to be more involved, a little bit more overwhelmed, um, but I, I don't have the time. So just doing the show itself, um, you know, it's kind of what. Oh, well, that's what I was just getting to ready to say. You, you do. Um, I know what kind of just by being really close personal friends with Positively D. Um, I know what Davina puts into a weekly show. So please, don't ever say that you don't volunteer <laughs> your time. You take. You take. You, if you could take something back, you better take that back right now, okay? Or I'm gonna go all big sister on you. Back. You better take that back, okay? Because we don't have no time for that. Yeah, you better. Right. No. <laughs> I don't volunteer my time. Um, <laughs> well, I, I meant, you know what I mean, I, physically, well, whatever, know, I'm going to drop it. End of that conversation, move on. So, um, <laughs> Moving I, I wanna, on. Yeah, I want to quick uh, uh, play another positive message from Rise Up to HIV's positive message campaign. And then when we come back, awesome. I want to kind of talk about um, one of the subjects that is dear to my heart and to yours, uh, medical cannabis, and kind of um, your thoughts on that, because I know I just saw recently Wonderful. that they just made it legal. Didn't they just make it legal in Vegas? Didn't I just see that just on the news? yesterday. Yeah, it's yesterday. Just I saw it on the news. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. I got to stand in one of the another. lines. You did? I got to stand in one. Yes, I got to stand. I was four people outside the door, man. It was beautiful. I was like, I'm waiting in line for cannabis. It's legal. <laughs> so we'll talk that about that. We'll talk about that when we come back. Though, okay. Okay. All right. right. We'll talk about that as soon as we come right back with Connie Rose. I don't have any issues with having HIV because I've accepted it. And I know no matter what, everything's going to be okay. I have two options. Choose to be sad about it or be proactive and positive. I'd rather be happy. So I educate myself, which creates confidence. And I understand why other people make jokes or may hate it. It's because they don't understand it, so they are scared, which is a natural human reaction. So therefore, I don't take it personal. I educate them to help them feel comfortable. I stay calm and normal because my energy will be their energy. I don't care about what people think. I know the truth about HIV, and I'm okay with that. What others say does not affect my life. I have a choice to allow that energy in or not. That's theirs to keep, not mine. I know I will live. I know I can have kids without them contracting. I know I can be in a relationship and have all the sex I want. What more can I ask for? I may have less energy some days. I take meds every day. I go to the doctors every six months for a checkup on my health. That's not so bad to me. We got to just accept what is, enjoy life day to day, and let the rest go. This is why I don't worry. My medicine is just a daily routine. It's not an HIV reminder. I choose to live a normal life. I mean, my life is normal. I just have a manageable virus that I take meds for. That's all. 
And there you have it. That's Lexi's positive message from Kevin Maloney and Rise Up to HIV. You can find them on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, and all your social media favorites, Rise Up to HIV. Um, and we are going to be uh, bringing back uh, Connie, who is a 21-year survivor uh, living with HIV. She is in Las Vegas, and she is back with us live now. Connie, how are you? Great, Robert. I was going to say I recognize that voice. That was Lexi. I love yeah. Lexi. She, um, I, I, yeah, I met her last year at the Black and White Party. Awesome. Yeah, you've connected me with some people on uh, on Facebook, and I appreciate that, uh, a lot of the women, because, you know, it's hard for me to reach out to the women and, and sometimes, you know, be that open. So it's great that you've connected oh, me yeah, with some I amazing individuals. It's awesome. Well, thank you for so, being so let's here, talk about this. Know, let's talk about being – I want to talk about you being alive for medical cannabis and what that was like. Because um, just yesterday, what they I guess they passed that it was legal in, in Las Vegas for recreational use. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So let, let me take you back um, to my very first infectious disease appointment with Dr. Vicki Wilkie. One of the questions she asked me was, do you use cannabis? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't. That's not legal here. And she said, well, I understand that, or I would be writing you a prescription for it right now because I just transferred from UCLA, and we're doing clinical studies to find out how um, medical cannabis actually slows the progression of HIV. And I said, really? And I mean, you're, and think about where you're, put yourself in my situation. Are you going to believe your parents and your community who are basically um, – 1996 Bible Belt, or are you going to believe an infectious disease specialist who just moved here from UCLA? So I went home that day and I started using cannabis. It wasn't medical grade cannabis. I was just using whatever I could because this doctor told me that even though you can't get HIV medication, I recommend that you, if you can get it, you should get it. So fast forward now. Um, 21 years, I'm living in Las Vegas, where even though it's it's legal, um, it's still very hard to find a doctor who will talk to you about which strains will slow the progression and et cetera, et cetera. And I went to another workshop that was offered by Golden Rainbow at the center I volunteer at, and I met a lady by the name, um, a nurse, an RN, her name is Jennifer Shepard, she actually, she has 19 cannabis hours from Oaksterdam University. It's like the weed college. Did you know they have a weed college, man? <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up, right? Well, okay. Well, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm too old to what talk Did you say the name of it was? It, uh, what was your name of the, of the college? Oaksterdam, O A K, yeah, O A K S T E R, I think D A M, Oaksterdam University. Uh -huh. It's it's yeah, and I'm gonna connect you with Nurse Jen and everything. She she she's an amazing, amazing woman. Um, she has 19 credit hours in in cannabis, and she said she herself hasn't met anyone. She's traveled from I mean all over the United States, all up through Canada. She's worked at a, at a um, on um, what are those called? 
you know, the great big, okay, what are they called? I actually, because my doctor told me to use cannabis, I was growing my own, and I, and I caught a charge in Indiana for cultivation. Now, I had one plant oh, that only had three leaves on it. So <laughs> whenever they called me a cultivator, and then you see these farms out here that have, like, fields <laughs> and fields, I was like, yeah, you can call me that. That's cool. <laughs> so, but fast forward to now, yes, it's it's legal. And not only is it legal, which is great for people who 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 want to use it, because I don't think it's any worse than alcohol. If you're going to use something recreational, it, it's not going to hurt you. Um, right. The overdose rate is like 1 to like 20,000 or something like that. It's like impossible to hurt yourself. I've never now, heard of it. I know a lot yeah, of people sorry. who smoke a lot of weed, <laughs> and if they have an overdose, I don't know. <laughs> right, and I'm going to tell anybody what what I found is um, if you if you do get some of the edibles, because like my RSO, my Rick Simpson oil, it is 300% THC. So if you if I right. used more than just a dab on my finger at night and ate it, it would it would get me very, very high. Like I would probably feel like I was gonna die. But if that ever happens to anybody listening, I'm not a doctor, but I do know that black pepper will help bring you down a little bit, just so you don't call the police and be that guy on nine one one. Like I right. need, I think I'm dying. <laughs> I I saw that. I ate some brownies. <laughs> yes, I think it was the cop. I remember I'm that sorry, on the news, actually. <laughs> they were yeah, laughing at them. Weren't the newscasters laughing at them? <laughs> yes, because it's, it's like he's the, he makes us all look like dumb potheads. So, but, yeah. <laughs> but I have seen, I have seen great, I mean, miraculous. I have, um, I suffered carbon monoxide poisoning before I moved. That's why I moved to the desert. And the nerve pain from the fever was just like my sciatica nerve, all of this pain. And, and yes, being in the dry desert air helps, but I still had this back pain that I just couldn't in my lower back. And I started using this um, RSO, the Rick Simpson oil, and I've been using it for a month now. And, um, and, you know, I don't have that anymore. So I can pretty much say it's from, it's from the oil. And my anxiety is way down. So um, if you can't get medical cannabis I and if you can move, I highly recommend you move somewhere where it's medically legal or I know not everybody can move, but I did it. I left with a suitcase and one kid, so I think you can do it. That's right. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I know it's not legal here yet in Pennsylvania where we're still waiting. Will probably be the last state to to pass it. Since and that's any, anybody who anybody who is interested in connecting with Nurse Jen, I'm getting ready to release a blog for her um, about who she is and how to connect with her. And also, you'll you're going to have her information after this show and everything, so you'll be able to get cool. in touch with her and find out how to get you know a consultation or whatnot. If you're here in Las Vegas and you're listening to this, um, let's see. Panacea, um, this is the only plug I'm going to do. Thank you, Robert, for allowing me just this, this 30 seconds. Panacea Clinic um, Dispensary, if you spend $100, he will pay for your first consultation with Nurse Jen. So that that's, 
I mean, that's an amazing thing this um, dispensary is doing because um, I know her time isn't free and and I know we don't all have the money. So, But if you're going to be buying or using medical cannabis and you're in the North Las Vegas area, like I said, Panacea Dispensary, if you spend $100, we'll pay for your first consultation with Nurse Jen. Thank you. No, no, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, so let me ask you this. So being diagnosed in 96, being scared that you, you know, may die, uh, you were giving 18 months to live after uh, being poisoned with carbon monoxide, you said, correct? Right. Right. Then living, you know, a couple, or you said, I believe you said it was a couple months that you thought that you had to wait for your daughter to come back positive or negative, you know, waiting for that test result, having those thoughts in your head and now coming and and 2017, 21 years later, PrEP, people are on PrEP. U equals U is a campaign that is across the globe. You know, the people are talking about how being, un- being undetectable. How, how does that feel to kind of wrap it all around to be like feeling almost like as if the world was ending to now knowing that you have a full healthy life ahead of you and you can do whatever the heck you want? It honestly, it has to feel like... Um, Maybe like somebody who who won a triathlon. You know, I understand it wasn't a triathlon or anything, but whenever you <laughs> you turn around or you, and I know I've never been to war. I I, I diagnosed. Um, there was a whole thing with the military too. I was going to go into the military when my daughter turned two. Like I was already um, signed up. I just I, and I didn't. I was waiting until she. I had already been to see a recruiter. That's what it was. I'd already been to see a recruiter, but I didn't do everything that I needed to do because I was waiting until she was two years old, and then my test came back positive. So because I'm, I'm a huge supporter of the military, I, I think they're wonderful. So I, I think possibly it, it would be the way you hear Peter Staley and everyone else, it's, it's like we survived a war. And, you know, you turn yeah. around and, and you're standing there, and I truly feel like now that I'm – now that I'm in treatment and, and my life is so healthy and I'm, I'm back on mental health medication and I can actually see the world and I feel like all of my, everything is connected and, and the little parts that were, that were not, you know, are held together with this glue now of this solid support system that I found here in Las Vegas, I can stand here like in the sunshine and I've been living in the sunshine, you have to remember, since 2012 but I did not ever feel it on my face until this year. So that's what it feels like. It feels like sunlight on your face. Wow. That's awesome. Well, it looks like I have a caller on the line who wants to come on air with us. So it's somebody from your local area code. So let's go ahead and bring on area code 702. You're live on the (laughs) air. Who's this? (laughs) Well, it's not from her area. This is D. This is D. Hey, sister. Hey, D. Thank you. Hey, Robert. <laughs> That's my sister. I'm just calling in to support Connie in the show. I don't call that often because I'm usually sleep around this time. But I just want to mm. say it's a great show. And um, that's it. I just wanted to call in and say hi to you guys. That's all. Before the show ended. Oh, thanks for calling. Well, well, thank, thank you, sweetheart. You so we much, appreciate Davina. it. Thank you. Okay. All right, happy day to you guys. Love, love you. you both. Love you. Okay. Right, and we can have Davina also on Blog Talk Radio. She has her own positively, <laughs> I'm sorry, discussion. Um, 
It's their own. Uh, it was yesterday. That was when I texted you. I didn't even realize that I called you in the middle of her show. And then you went and called me out on Facebook. <laughs> you have to understand that. I, I'm just playing. I hope you know I'm the baby of 12 kids. So that that is an actual personality. So that's the little sister in me. I hope you understand. I so I can play some of the funny. I'm the big sister of the mom. It's like ah, he look what he did. I'm gonna poke him. Thank you so no, much I for think it was giving great. this opportunity. Um, no, it, anytime. It was, so where can people find you on Twitter? Where yes, where can people Cricket find LV. you on Twitter, Facebook? Cricket LV, Cricket with a C, obviously. Cricket LV. Yeah. And that's on all your social media. No, that's just on my Twitter and Facebook is Connie Rose. Oh goodness. And <laughs> Instagram is Positive Living in Las Vegas. I, I'm all over the place, aren't I? See why you did good mental that's all right, health. We're all over. <laughs> <laughs> well look, if you go to well, our Instagram what, what or I Facebook, found is or... I'm so many I'm so many different people or so many different people to so many different people that these are the different avenues that I've found that I can reach people. It's like my, my positive crowd in Las Vegas that they're very private. I've created a social media outlet that they can follow that nobody will connect with my other social media. Does that make sense? Because we have to remember mm -hmm. that there is a silent group of people living with HIV too that truly they need, they need support also. That's right. That's right. So if you uh, didn't catch all that, you can catch Connie Rose. Uh, if you go to our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram, it is linked throughout that. You'll be able to find her. You can find her on WordPress uh, at livingaposlife.wordpress.com. Uh, you can also find her articles and past articles on ANU uh, magazine website. Right. And if you pick up your local ANU magazine at your local ASO or doctor's office, you'll be able to find her there. Um, final thoughts for somebody who is newly diagnosed, what would your final thoughts for them be? Oh, get in treatment and get a, get a good support group. Even if it's just one group a month, get into a support group and mm. make sure and get into some, some kind of treatment, an overall healthy life plan. That's what HIV did for me. There you go. Connie Rose, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. You too, Robert. You have a great weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So great to finally have you. All right. You can again find Connie Rose on WordPress by looking by going to www.livingapause.wordpress.com. You can follow her on, Cric on Cricket on Twitter at CricketLV, and you can find all her other uh, social media connected to our social media at Radio. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And the announcement again next week, um, July 9th, we will have a special guest, uh, Jamar Rogers, the one and only uh, former voice contestant. Um, his uh, album, his self-debuted first album is about to come out, and I'm excited. It's called Lazarus, and he's going to be playing it with us uh, live on air and uh, talking about what he's been doing. You know, it's been a few years since he's been on the show, and it, it'll be great to finally talk with us. So, again, next week, Jamar uh, July 9th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you all for tuning in this week. Uh, for Aaron and myself, have a great weekend and a great holiday. Thank you for joining us for Pause I Am. You can listen to us each and every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
as we bring you your weekly dose of hope. Join in the conversation on social media, Paz I Am Radio, and at Aaron Laxton. And while you're on there, check out I'm Still Josh as he brings the HIV scoop of the week. Also, if you've not checked out the positive message campaign from Rise Up to HIV, be sure to do so. For all of you who contribute and make this show possible, thank you so very much. If you think you have a story that needs to be covered or you would like to come on air and talk to Robert and myself, please let us know. We want to bring content that you need and that you want. Be sure to download this episode on iTunes and past episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback. From all of us over here at Paz IM Radio, from Robert Brining and myself, have a safe and healthy week. And until we speak again, stay positive.